This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. All right, how's everybody doing? You guys look good. Actually, I can't see your faces. But I believe you look good. I believe that. All right, we have a special guest here today who's going to come up for a few minutes and talk to us about fixing the heart. All right? Anybody ever have a heart issue? No? Got a bunch of no's. All right. That's good. All right. Would you welcome Sue Farron as she comes and shares her story? Come on, we can do that one more time. A big promise center hand clap. Wow, this is intimidating. Matthew, will you come up here? Will you come up here, please? This is my son, of who I am so proud. Um, So I had a chance to spend some time with Chad and some of the team um, yesterday and um, talk to them about this issue, and he offered me five minutes to share it with you. So if you would just indulge me for a minute. The first thing I want to say is that a broken heart can happen to anybody, okay? We think that usually it happens to somebody when they're older, but it can happen to somebody who's middle-aged, it can happen to somebody who's younger, it can even happen to children, right? Okay. And so I'm certainly, I know that all of you are thinking I'm talking about this from a spiritual context, and I am, but I'm also talking about this in a physical context, and so this is why I want your undivided attention. You know, um... God can't do his work on the earth without us in our physical bodies, right? So we're his hands and his feet and his, we hope, his mouth, his ears and his eyes. Um, And knowing what to do spiritually is really important, but knowing what to do physically can also be really important, right? Holding somebody when they're suffering and, and being able to just be present. With that being said, um, I want to share a little story with you that happened to me, and then I want to ask for a little audience participation. Do you guys think you could do that for me? Because you can imagine how nervous you'd be sitting up here trying to get people to participate, so I really want you to smile and nod and say, oh yeah, we're in for this. Um, So this is something that just happened to me. Um, Do you want me to tell the story about hearing the the phrase? Okay. I do. I want you to stand there because it makes me feel... (laughs) It, it makes me feel safe. Um, I have been a paramedic for 30 years now. It's actually a little bit longer than that, but we're just going to say 30 to round it down. Um, and I have had some incredible experiences working as a paramedic, as you can well imagine. But um, the most incredible experience I can say of my human life has been off-duty. And I had been um, trained at a paramedic refresher program about uh, five years ago at UCLA, and I heard a subject being taught on called commotio cordis, and I had never even heard that phrase before, and now I had been a paramedic for 28 years at that point, I had never heard this. And they introduced the story about telling um, of a high school student who had gone up to write something on the board at his teacher's request, and when he turned back around to go to his seat, one of the other students stood up and punched him in the chest. Just a practical joke. But the kid fell to the ground and appeared to have a seizure and stopped breathing. And the teacher turned around and said, oh no, what's happened, what's happened? He's panic-stricken, what's going on, what's going on? 
And the kids, some of them don't want to tell on the kid that hit him, and others are not sure what happened, and somebody says he was choking on a cookie. So nobody's really sure what's going on, but they call 911, and nobody really does anything because they're not sure what's happened to this kid because he appears to be having a seizure. Well, there's this interesting thing that can happen. Your heart is both electrical and mechanical, so it has electricity that tells it to fire, right? And this is just very unique to the heart. And so all of you right now, whether you're thinking about it or not, thank God, you don't have to think about it, that electricity's going off in your heart. And after that electricity strikes, your heart goes kathunk, kathunk, and it ejects the blood through the heart. That electricity can be interrupted. That electricity can be interrupted, and you can go into something called ventricular fibrillation, or V-fib. Some of you have heard that phrase on TV, right? Some of you may even have a medical background and know what I'm talking about. The interesting thing is, if you punch somebody in the chest at just the right time, you can interrupt that electrical activity and stop the heart and force it to, it goes like this, it just quivers and it doesn't beat, okay? The only way we can stop that is to use a defibrillator, also referred to as an AED. We'll have one here at the church shortly, not tonight, but soon. And that device can be used to restart that electricity. We have to interrupt it again, okay? Does that make sense? Everybody with me on this so far? And so without that electrical device, we can't restart the heart. But the thing is, if even if you can't get the electricity going again, you can make the heart beat, right? All right, so here's the point I wanna make about this. That phrase, commotio cordis, I had never heard before, and I had never seen it happen. But three years ago, I was at my son Michael's baseball game, and he was in the dugout waiting to go up, and there was a little boy named Matthew, eight-year-old boy named Matthew, in the batter's box. And Matthew went up to take his pitch. He's standing there at the, the base or the plate. Thank you. Standing there at the end zone. And uh, he's at the end zone, about to dunk the ball. When? And he's standing there, and the pitch goes. And instead of doing what they teach the kids to do, turn your back, he turned around like this. And the ball hit him center in the chest. And I'm not kidding, and I know this sounds like I need to be medicated, and I probably should be, but I'm not. I heard this voice, don't forget commotio cordis. And I thought, no way, no way, no way, because I'm not that kind of Christian. I'm not one of these kinds of Christians that you all are. <laughs> and I thought, no, I've heard you talking in tongues, so don't tell me I am not what I'm talking about, because I know what I'm talking about, you specifically. So this is why I'm sitting over here, if you know exactly what I'm saying. So. I hear this voice say, don't forget commotio cordis. I see the little boy get hit in the chest, and I think, no way, no way. And he kind of stumbles, and then he starts running for first base. He puts his hand up to high-five the coach, and he falls face down to the ground. And I think, no way. And I go running from the first base line out on the lawn, and I come running up with my husband at the time, who's not my husband anymore, but you know, the, and it doesn't matter, because, I mean, anyway, the point of the story is, is that... <laughs> One of these things survived and the other one didn't. It's n it doesn't matter. It's, it's not really the point of this story. I know, I'm sorry, I know you're my child. I love you. So, that was a really weird segue. So, I turn the boy over and I reach down and I feel for a pulse. And his heart's not beating, but his phone was ringing. Isn't that the most awkward feeling on earth? Mine was the one that went off two Sundays ago, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, what idiot forgot to turn their phone off? <laughs> oh, that'd be me. 
So I wasn't thinking that about any of you. But anyway, I reached for a... Uh, I've totally lost my train of thought. You should, I should go. So I reach down. He has no pulse. And I start CPR on this little boy. And when the fire engine gets there, they have a defibrillator. We're able to shock him. The first shock doesn't work. The second shock works. And we get him in the back of an ambulance and three minutes into the ride, because I got in the ambulance with him, he's talking to me. And he knows his name, and he knows how old he is, and he knows he plays second base. Right? <laughs> what a miracle. I'd love to say that that makes me somehow heroic, but this is what I'm trained to do. Uh, the crazy thing about it is that had I not been there, had I not heard that voice, had I not had that class, had I not been prepared, that little boy would not have gone back to baseball the next year and gotten a grand slam his first time back, right? So, right, the glory goes to God, not to me. The glory goes to God, not to me. His parents told me that every day is like Christmas for them. And that's a gift, right, to fix a broken heart that way. So I'm going to tell you this one thing, and then I'm going to leave chat. I swear you'll have time to give a message that's about four and a half minutes long. That um, <laughs> I've had 36-year-old cardiac arrest patients. I've had 51-year-old cardiac arrest patients. I've had 24-year-old cardiac arrest patients. And I've had 8-year-old cardiac arrest patients. You do not know what's going to cause someone's heart to stop. But you have to be prepared if it happens. You do not have to have a CPR card to do CPR. If your CPR card is expired, you're still qualified, okay? Here's the other thing. You don't have to do ventilations, because the truth is, it's the compression that keeps the patient alive. If you know CPR and I know CPR, then we'll do ventilations. But if we're just a civilian who happens to be in the produce section when somebody drops and you shake them and they don't wake up, then start compressions. Here's the best news about it. If you start compressions on somebody and they're not having a cardiac arrest, they'll probably say, ouch, that hurts, stop doing that, <laughs> okay? The worst thing you can do is do nothing, okay? So I want to just do a quick demonstration and then you've had your broken heart lecture and then I'm gonna let Chad have the microphone. Matthew, do you mind laying down for just a second? That does matter. Okay. No, I don't. The pillows I, for me? No, the pillows aren't for you, actually, sweetie yeah. pie. Put your head here and put your legs here. You're just right there. Yeah, you got that. Okay. Remember, there's what's called ambient oxygen in the bloodstream. So your job is to keep the blood circulating and keep the brain alive, okay? Do that for as long as you can. Don't stop doing compressions. Don't stop doing compressions. Don't stop doing compressions. And every two minutes, if you can remember this, get someone to switch with you because no matter how excited you are and how well you think you're doing, you're going to get tired and you're going to stop being effective. But don't stop doing compressions. Don't stop doing compressions. Don't stop doing compressions. Promise me you won't stop doing compressions. What are you not going to do? You're not going to stop doing compressions. Okay. You get the patient on a hard surface like this, the ground. Get them off the bed. Get them off the sofa. Whatever they are in their produce section at the park, just make it happen. This is what you want to do. And I'm sorry I'm going to use this line because it's probably inappropriate, but this is the way it is. There's the breastbone that goes from the bottom right here of your neck to just above your belly button. We don't call it the, we call it the middle of the breastbone. We don't call it the nipple line because after 40 that changes. <laughs> so, I know. Hold this for me. Okay. So this is what I want you to do. I'm sorry, that was inappropriate. That's really only for women that that, that changes. Okay, it's too late, I can't fix that. Okay, we're at the Promise Center, hold the microphone. <laughs> this is what I want you to do. I want you to take one hand like this right now. Take your hand and go like this, okay? Take the other hand and put it on top of it. 
lock your elbows. Lock your elbows. All of your work comes from your shoulders, okay? And so what you're gonna do, this is gonna hurt my son, but don't be afraid. Because <laughs> it's really important that I help you. I want you to get like this. I want you to get your shoulders over the middle of the patient's chest, and I want you to start pushing hard and fast, a hundred times a minute. Don't bend your elbows. The song that we do it to is um, Staying Alive, Staying Alive, but the funny thing is, the other song that it goes to is Another One Bites the Dust. So <laughs> don't, don't sing that. Don't sing that when you're doing it. But I want you to do these compressions, okay? We're gonna go two inches deep. No, I'm not gonna do it to you. You hold the microphone. I want you to get in the center of the chest, right there in the middle of the chest. Don't worry if you're too high or too low, just get in the center of the chest and start going this fast, literally. It will exhaust you. And you're gonna hear a cracking sensation. And I know that's gonna freak you out just like it freaks me out. It's the sternum separating from the ribs. You're not breaking the ribs usually. And even if you are, so what? Because dead is so much worse than broken ribs. Okay, so don't be afraid to do that. I want you to promise me you'll do it hard and fast. We're going about two inches deep on an adult. On a child, it's a little bit less. But here's the thing. We could get you all certified in CPR. This is what I want to find out. Somebody at the Promise Center knew how to do CPR. I've had children save the lives of their parents doing this. Okay, so we want to take just a couple of minutes and say to you, don't be afraid to get involved. Don't be afraid to do compressions. Okay, remember where the nipple line is and always be willing to step up and fix a broken heart. Man, that was incredible. Matt, you, you made an amazing dummy. Congratulations. We will remember that for future examples. How's everybody doing? You guys doing good? Wow. So yesterday, we were doing this with our staff, and, and afterwards, that's when I said, we just got to do it the whole church. Everyone needs just to know, right? We got to know this. Uh, but we had, Jer Jeremy was our dummy. Of course, that was the easy pick, and we just uh, had him down there, and no, I, that was mean. Where's Jeremy? There he's Jer Jeremy. All right, there he is. Sorry about that. And uh, so we were talking about making sure I get the blood, the, the oxygen to the brain, and we said, what brain? It was just a fun day, and we, we just really had fun, so... But uh, thank you, Sue Farron, so much. Wow. All right, all right. And the only time that doesn't work is if they have a lot of life insurance. No, I'm just kidding. That was terrible. Just, that was terrible. Ne Nehemiah 1 and 3. Nehemiah 1 and 3. Leadership. Now, we're talking about leadership tonight. Leadership, uh, leading. We have a bunch of leaders in this house. In fact, I believe everybody in this place, God has called you to be a leader. We're, we're led of the Spirit, filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. We got our tongue talking, holy rolling in this area, as, as uh, Sue Farron uh, helped us understand. Amen. So you know where the splash zone is, right? The splash zone. All right, you know those splash zones. All right, Nehemiah 1 and 3. Nehemiah 1 and 3. I got a lot of uh, monitor up here. I don't need it. Thank you very much. Nehemiah 1 and 3 says this. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now this is a story about Nehemiah. This is 
post-Babylon coming in, Nebuchadnezzar just literally just pulverizing Jerusalem, ransacking Israel. And now uh, Babylon has been broken down. Uh, Nehemiah is living in the days uh, of the Persian Empire. And he finds out that Jerusalem, uh, several, a couple thousand miles away, his home is, is in disgrace. There's an issue. There's a problem. And so something happens to Nehemiah in his heart, uh, broken heart, uh, that is so powerful that causes him to make a move. Amen? Turn your neighbor and say, make a move. I love what uh, Susan said tonight. Don't, don't just stand there and do nothing. Do something. Turn your neighbor and say, do something. So here's our, here's our thought tonight. Here's our, here's our thought tonight. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna make this the leadership, the leadership night. We're going to talk about leadership because we're going into a new year. I'm going to talk about that just for a little bit. And again, I'm going to get you out of here uh, by 9.15, I promise. No, I'm just kidding. I'll get you out of here by 8.05. But I want to just talk from my heart uh, for a few minutes to you. And uh, we're going to ask the Lord to be with us in this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for, for meeting us here today. I pray that your, your spirit would quicken some things in our hearts, bring revelation and inspiration, understanding according to your will. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. Everybody say, amen. This is just a powerful passage, an important passage, because the walls have to be rebuilt. Jerusalem has to be put back together. And one of the things that's imperative for us as a church to understand is, one, we're living in a time that, that culture's broken, political systems are broken, people's lives are broken, and I believe it's incumbent upon the church to be responders to culture. I believe that the church can lead culture. I believe that the local church has the power to affect local community. Do you believe that here today? Amen. I believe that the church can be significant, not just, you know, on the other side of the tracks and, you know, close all the doors and kumbaya, let's just, let's just, you know, us four no more, we're the chosen frozen. But I believe that we can make an impact. I believe that we can look at, look at our world and say, this is, as a church and as believers, we need to respond the right way. Now, I know there's a lot of people who they think the, the right way to respond is to respond in, 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 in maybe war or in fighting or in, 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 in your, your frustration. And, and I, I, get, I get that. I know that there's frustrations. You can see the topography of our, and the landscape of our culture and, and our nation right now, and it's crazy. I believe that it's incumbent upon the church to lead through these changes, to lead through these cultural, uh, turbu this cultural turbulence. I believe that it's incumbent upon us as Christians to be able to have the right language to lead through this. I, I don't believe that we should be twiddling our thumbs in the back, but I also think we need to engage correctly. Now, the thing that's really cool about Nehemiah, he's not even in Jerusalem, but when he hears a report, his heart is broken. His heart is broken. And so here's the first question I want to ask you tonight. What breaks your heart? Because when we get into leading, when we get into uh, talking about leadership, really leadership is something that you can't, you can't manufacture passion. I wish we could manufacture passion. I wish that we could just go and passion just arise in everybody. Don't you wish that? Don't you wish you could motivate your kids to clean their room? Children. I want to, you know, it, you can't manufacture that, right? But you have to, but, but something breaks your heart. Something motivates you. Something, and again, our culture 
is burying us before we get started. Our culture is trying to subdue the creativity and the leadership that's in us and say, just, just follow, just follow and just, just have enough to eat, have enough to breathe and, and then just, just survive and, 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 and just try not to become extinct too early. When really you've been called for so much more than that. You've been called to be priests. You've been called to be leaders. You've been called to be proactive, to stand in the gap, to do something about it. Now, have you ever noticed that there's maybe some things that you've seen that, break, that broke your heart? Maybe you saw something in the global church, local church, regional church, and you go, I wish I could do something. What if I was to tell you that you can do something? What if I was to tell you that you can make a difference? This is a guy named Nehemiah. Who is Nehemiah? He's a nobody. But he's a man who was moved with passion. He was a man who was moved because he had a broken heart. He said, something's got to be done. And whenever you have uh, a passion arise in you, you get, the, you get the umph to do something. It's amazing what people can do whenever it becomes something internal and it becomes something uh, emotionally attached. And there's a vision. I can see it being, it can be better. In fact, Nehemiah, if you go on to read the first chapter, it's amazing. He says this prayer, God, we know we sinned. I sinned. Everyone sinned. We all sinned. We're all pretty messed up. We did a bad thing. But here's what we're saying, God. We're saying that you also made a promise. You made a promise that if we broke your laws, that Jerusalem would be in trouble. But you also made a promise that if we turned our hearts back to you, that if we come running back to you, that you would rebuild these walls and you'd rebuild this city and you'd make us a nation again and you'd do mighty exploits through us. He called God on his promise. He became proactive. And this is what you've got to do. I think there's got to be a boldness in the church. You, got, you, have, you, have, you can stand before the presence of God and be bold, like Abraham. Okay, God, cool, you're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, uh, let me, before you do that, real quick, God, um, what if there's 50 righteous? God's like, okay, for 50 righteous, I'll, yeah, um, I, I won't destroy the city. Cool, <laughs> awesome, fist bump, all righty. Oh, hold on, before you leave, what about 45? God's like, sure, 45, well, about that deal. And then he's, again, about to exit the conversation. And he says, how about 40? How about all the way down to 10? I don't know why he didn't say one. <laughs> he just stopped at 10. But do you realize the power that you have before God? Do you realize you have power to do something? You have power to make a difference. And you've got to believe it. That's the, that's the first point of, of, of being a great leader is knowing you can make a difference. You can make a difference in the local church. You know we've talked about this. We believe church ought to be awesome. Because I think every one of us here have been to a church. We've been to church at some point where we go, this ain't awesome. We think church should be awesome. We think it should be fun. It should be exciting. We should be learning. We should be growing. We should be spurring one another. Amen? Amen. We should, we should be uh, getting our roots deeper. We should be serving and honoring God. We should be in groups and in community. If you do church right, it's amazing. If you do church and you try to, you try to break the rules, it's, it kind of gets weird. Don't break the rules with God. Don't break the rules with church. If you do community right and you get involved and you go all in, guess what? Church is awesome. Right? Whenever you go one toe in, one toe out, well, I don't know if that's possible, one toe in, one toe out. One foot in, one foot out, let's go that way. One foot in, one foot out, then it's, it, it, yeah, it's like trying to put, you know, the, the, you know, I've said it many times, it's like that little toy that requires four batteries. 
and you try to put three in and make it work and jimmy rig it because your kids are dying to use the new toy and it doesn't work unless you put everything into it that's required. And you got, you got to go all in. You've got to go all in and say, I can make a difference. Is this going to make a difference in my life? That's why there's the parable that Jesus told. He said, look, there was a man who found a treasure in a field. And he went back and he sold, what did he sell? He sold everything. He didn't say he liquidated half of his goods. He liquidated everything. When he, when he gave everything for that treasure, that treasure gave back to him more than what he had before. And so, so many people are afraid to go all in with God. But I'm telling you, whatever, if you, whatever you put into the kingdom, you're going to get more back every single time. So we got to find, we got to find our passion. You got to find your place. I will say this in, in 2015, 2016, we've had a blast doing starting point. And I got to recognize someone really quickly. Melena, would you stand? Because this, this gal right here, just every month did amazing serving and, 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 and just honoring that position. And, and here's what we're doing. Uh, starting Point's about to get like a total makeover. Like one of those homes on the, the have you seen those homes that get the total makeover, right? And they take the, the home and they go, you know, we're going to take this to the next level. So we're working on this right now for next year. We don't have Starting Point in December, but starting in January, we're going to actually be offering Starting Point, not as a luncheon, but as classes, step one, step two, step three, step four, and it's going to be during church in the back classroom. We're going to open this up for anybody. You can jump in any time. We encourage you to go to the first one, second one, third one, and then fourth one. Knowing God, finding freedom. Remember the four cups we taught on? The four I wills in the book of Exodus chapter 6. He says, I will. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. I'm going to get Egypt out of you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to, I'm going to redeem you and make you a people. And, and, then, and then you're going to walk in purpose. And so we're going to focus on those. And these steps, we're going to work on discovering who you are. We want to discover how God's made you, how he shaped you. I believe, this is my conviction. Everybody in this house, you have been purposely designed, created by God with a with a certain bend, with a certain insight, with a certain instinct, with a, with, a, with a certain heart and passion that nobody can duplicate. If you're not part of the body, if you're not where you're supposed to be, the body of Jesus Christ will not be all that it can be. I believe that. I believe it is the purpose of the church, the local church and the ministry. The, the, church, the, the purpose of the, of the ministry, the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, it says to equip the body to do the work of ministry. It's not, the, it's not the old autocratic model of church that maybe we saw 30 years ago where the, the pastor was kind of like Papa, the Godfather. <laughs> Come to me and talk. What's your need, you know? <laughs> yes, my son. What, what is, we'll take him out for you. Whatever you need. But it is, it is the equipping and it is, it is getting the church in alignment and, and, and that vision. And can, can, can I just tell you, you know, this is not about growing a church. This is about reaching people. This is about thousands of people in our city and in our county who don't know Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this. I don't want to be responsible. I don't want to have not done all that I could in helping people go into eternity with Christ versus a Christless eternity. We see what a Christless reality is like now. People who don't know Jesus, what it's now. Think about that amplified in eternity forever. I, what I'm saying is this, is I'm saying there's a, there's a responsibility that's on us 
Amen. And I believe that the church, that God, you know, we're in unique times. But these unique times create unique opportunities. You, you, you realize that? Like, like the, the moments in scripture when great things happen in the kingdom, we're always in times of unrest and uncertainty. But when the, the people of God, the people of faith arose and stood up and said, we can make a difference. And you got to get that in your heart. You will, you can make a difference. And whether that's, whether that's shaking someone's hand and, and, and on the front row worshiping God and helping us pray with people or whether that's leading a group or whether that's getting involved in one of our uh, community uh, services and, and charities, whatever that is, we're just, we're just opening up this next year. We're saying, hey, we're running. We're running the race. Paul said this. I know that it, it gets kind of cliche. People quote this and they misquote the context of what Paul said. Remember where Paul said, don't compare yourselves among yourselves. And so everybody's like, Okay, don't compare yourself among yourself. Don't do it. We're just all like, we're just going to all just be what we want to be. But don't compare yourself. The truth is, is in context, he was saying, don't compare the fruit. But he did, com he did compare his passion and his work ethic. Did you know that? He said one time, I speak in tongues more than you all. He said in, in 1 Corinthians 15, you know what he said? He said, I know I'm the last, I'm, I'm the least of the apostles, but I'll tell you what, no one's outworked me. That's why he made such a big difference. Now, I can't judge your fruit. I can't judge what God's called on you. But what I can judge is, are you going all in? Are you really all in about this? I, here, I just have this conviction. December's here, and before you know it, we're going to all be four pounds heavier, five pounds heavier. <laughs> January 1st is going to be here. And we're going we're gonna to have an opportunity to run together. To like go all in together. And I, you know what? It doesn't take, you know, 180. It doesn't take, it, 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 it takes a few getting, like catching on fire. And it's contagious. Yeah. And, and, and the passion, amen, of people finding their passion and going, I want to make a difference. Some people walk into the church and they see, like you've heard me say this before, they see crooked rows, crooked seats, and they go, oh, and they got to fix it. They, some people walk in and they go, Ooh, God's up to something tonight. They, they, just have, they just have that. That's their instinct. That's what, that's what they, they, they feel. They know they, there's a sense. That's their gift. Some people walk in and they see, they see that one person sitting by themselves. No one's talking to them. And they run over there and they, go, they start talking. They got that pastoral heart. They got that, that, that evangelistic heart, whatever it is. Everybody has something you see. Jeremiah saw something without seeing it. He saw it. He heard about Jerusalem. And it ripped his heart apart. And he said, I'm going to make, I can, me, a, just a little nobody can make a big difference. That blows my mind right there. A little nobody is what he seemed like, what he felt like. Just what, what, what is his significance? What's his pedigree? And he makes a huge difference because he was driven by a passion. Amen. I want to have a passion for the gospel. I want to have a passion. You know what the Bible says when it refers to Jesus's cross and experience at Calvary. You know what it refers to it as in the book of Acts? Luke, as he's writing, he wrote the book of Luke, then he writes the book of Acts. He starts the book of Acts by saying, oh, Theophilus, I've, I, I told you the first stuff. I got you that part. Let me get you the second part. of We got Jesus' ministry, earthly ministry. Now we're going to have Holy Spirit ministry. I'm going to share with you how that looks. He says, this is what Jesus began to teach and to do after his passion. He refers to the cross as Jesus' 
passion. Let me just say this. It takes a passion to conquer passion. People are passionate about their sin. People are passionate about their addictions. People are passionate about their, 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 way, their, their way of doing things. When the church is apathetic, lukewarm, Jesus in, in the book of Revelation says, spew you out of my mouth. Like, it doesn't taste good. It doesn't get me excited. You know when you're excited about a meal? And you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you imagine, like, God's like, mm, mm, that's just that's just blah. This has been sitting out. It's lukewarm. I'd rather be cold or hot. Give me some cold soup or hot soup, but not lukewarm soup. He's saying, he's saying it's so easy to get to that place. It's a passion that conquers passion. The church has got to be passionate. The church has got to be passionate. I believe, it, I believe it's in this place. I, I believe that God is equipping us for like this, I, I believe that the stage is coming. I believe the, the, the season's coming. I believe that we're in a time of preparation and God is speaking. I believe God's going to speak to you. I believe that in the next several weeks, maybe months, God is going to speak to you specifically. That's my prayer. And if, it's, if he wakes you up in the middle of the night and you lose some sleep, that's okay with me. If that's in the middle of church, I want God to get our attention. Amen. Because we're living in times of broken walls. Broken cities. And Nehemiah goes, man, this is breaking me. But it was the passion that fueled him. It's the passion that drove him. There, let me just tell you this. I'm going to try to say this without sounding like I'm a salesman. I'm really not. There, there is nothing greater to invest in on this planet. There's a lot of great charities. There's a lot of people who do real good world good, Okay. I, I, and I, we, we support them. We, my wife and I personally support charities, okay? All for it. But there's no greater cause on the planet than for people to start and find and develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no, there's no greater hope. The stories after stories after stories after stories of people who were society pushed out, kicked out, like the man who was, he was a demoniac. And what did the people in his city do? They tried to tie him up, bind him up. They tried everything that they knew, reason with him, talk through it. They did everything that was in their power and society pushed him out. And it took one interaction with Jesus and everything turned around. Can I just tell you, the world is waiting for the church to arise and to shine. Amen. I believe that. People are broken. People have tried church. People have tried, they, they tried religion and religiosity. It doesn't work. What works is Jesus. Jesus changes lives. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus transforms hearts. So I'm, I'm just, I want to beseech you tonight. I'm closing. I'm, I, I have four pages. I haven't started. Um, that, that, was, that was out of my heart, all right? I'm telling, you, I'm telling you here tonight, in this room, I see faces, but I see leaders. I see people who are, you have an anointing on your life. You have a purpose on your life. Amen. You, you have a destiny. 
I want you to sense it. I want you to feel it. I want you to ask for it. I want you to find something. Say, God, what's in me? Put it in me. Let it burn in me. Because when you get that passion, I'm telling you, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. And let me just speak this over somebody right now. The best ministries that we're going to see in the, in, the, in the church in the, in, the, in the months and years, maybe decades, if the Lord doesn't come back to come, are the ones that we haven't even thought of yet. It's going to be out of the box. It's going to be in ways that only the Holy Spirit can orchestrate and do. And I want you to say, Lord, I'm open to something different. You know, in the, in the, in the 60s, they said, we have buses. We have school buses that run all week, but they don't run on the weekends. And bus ministry blew up, and they, they utilized tools that, and resources that were there, bus ministry. And, and it's like each decade or each generation, it, uh, and that's just one of many examples. Like, like the Lord opened doors for, to use those things. And I'm just saying this. I'm just saying we're not changing the content inside the bottle, but the delivery system of how we get the gospel. I'm open. God, what, what do you want to do? How are you going to do it? One of my favorite stories is how God got an attention of a lady. I'm not going to call her name. I just talked to her the other day um, who, who was not in faith, and now she's in faith. And God used a telephone to, to, to get her attention. Uh, when my wife and I came here, um, we, we, we got, there, was a, there was a phone uh, for, for this group, and, and we got a, a different phone number. We changed the phone number. And uh, for whatever reason, people were calling to, to sell the church stuff. So we got a new phone number. Well, she also at the same time was getting a new number. She got the church number, the old church number. So she started getting phone calls. She started getting phone calls. So finally, after like six months, she's like, I'm tired. Of getting, I'm going to go to that church. She comes to the church, and she gets saved. <laughs> Amen. God used a new phone number. So, so. So, so God's amazing. God's not afraid of stuff. He just wants your passion. He wants you to, he wants you to get it in you. And I believe that, I believe in the next several weeks, I believe that, that there's something that God is going to allow us to catch. And I want you to open your heart to that. And I'm going to pray for you. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for you tonight. As the Bible says that in the body of Christ, there are different gifts, diversities of gifts. In the body of Christ, there are different administrations. And some, the gift of, of giving and mercies over here, he, he said, they're, they're not all the same, and that's okay. It's in those differences that are greatness. That's greatness. We find greatness. I want you to know here today, we believe, we believe that it is no coincidence that God has brought us together for such a time as this. We believe that our moment the stage is getting set. Everyone's put, God's putting us in our place. And God's about to open the curtains. And we're about to present the gospel in a powerful, tangible, Holy Ghost-filled way. Yeah, I use the word Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, King James Version, Holy Ghost way. Come on, somebody. That's going to touch people's lives, transform people. Amen. Amen. So I want to buy into I want, I want my heart to buy into that idea. That church ought to be transformational. It ought to be awesome. It ought to be life-giving. It ought to be full of the body of Christ exercising their gifts, knowing their place, knowing who they are, sons and daughters of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not ashamed for it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen? 
So would you lift your hands with me real quick? Would you just lift your heart with me real quick? Heavenly Father, I pray in this house. I thank you for our leaders. I thank you for everybody that's in this place. There's no coincidence in your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that you would send down a double portion. That you would stir our hearts. Give us a passion. Lord, I thank you for the future. I thank you for the possibilities. I thank you for the anointing that you're depositing. Let there be an impartation in this house, Lord. We speak it over lives. We say that the walls will be rebuilt. We say the city will stand. We say that there's going to be joy and there's going to be an anointing and there's going to be a visitation and there's going to be a Messiah that comes again. We're looking for that Messiah. We're rebuilding because we believe a Messiah is coming. We believe Jesus Christ is coming back. We're preparing our hearts and our lives in this city for that great harvest in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name amen 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 thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord amen all right here, here's your assignment this is your assignment and I'll let you go one minute early you're welcome hallelujah amen I want you to turn to five people and you look at them before you leave and you say, you're a leader. Just tell them you're a leader. Find five people, not four. You got to find five people and tell them you're a leader. Got to make it five. God bless you guys. We'll see you this Sunday in Jesus' name.